Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. It's such an honor, Lord. We thank you for the word of your power and the power of your word. And we pray that this message will not be robbed from the people of God this morning. We're so open, Lord God. We're so open to developing ourselves. We're so open to the richness of your word. Thank you for this privilege, Lord. I pray that your people will hear this message, Lord, beyond me, beyond my flesh, but they would hear the true essence of what you want to communicate to them. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message this morning, as you know, we've been talking quite a bit Uh, If you think of the message last week that my wife preached was on crossing over, and we feel like a lot of you are in times of transition right now, and in order for us to penetrate society, in order for us to take over, we need to have an apostolic mindset, and I will preach this message probably over two Sundays, but that's the title, The Apostolic Mindset. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that God has put in place apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. We know that in the word of God. And it says it's specifically for the equipping of the saints. You know that, Ephesians chapter 4, if you read from about verse 11 onwards. And it says it's for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So God raises up pastors, yes, to care for people, but to also create a culture of caring. Amen. God raises up evangelists to reach the lost, but to also equip people to do that. God raises up prophets, not just so that they're the only ones who are hearing God's voice, but to equip the saints to hear God's voice and to be intercessors and to call people back to holiness. Amen? But now we also see that God has raised up apostles. And this is an apostolic church. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you look from about verse 26, it tells us he put in the church first apostles, second prophets, right? It's God, right? So churches have to be built on an apostolic foundation. But what do apostles do? I'm not going to do a whole message. It's a whole series on its own. In fact, we're working on a book called Apostolic Technology, how apostles help the body of Christ to think, all right? So what do apostles do? One of the things they do is they activate an apostolic mindset. They activate an apostolic mindset in the body of Christ. And I want to take you on a journey from Acts chapter 12 right through to about Acts chapter 14 where I want to unpack the mindset behind Paul the Apostle's exploits. Don't you think that'll be interesting? The mindset behind Paul the Apostle's exploits. Because how many of you know that there's certain breakthrough you have because you're experiencing God's favor? There's certain breakthrough you have because of your own personal and individual talent. But there's also certain breakthrough you have in a region because of an apostolic grace that rests upon you. Amen. And some people have said to me, but Paul, how come this worked out for you? How come you managed to do this? I, wanna, I want you to know that you're a partaker of that particular grace because it's an apostolic grace that very often is activated in specific situations. And I want to show you how to tap into that because it's very linked to a mindset. Amen. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 12, I'm going to start reading from verse 20. It says, On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. So this is when a king is delivering a speech. But I find it interesting that it mentions that he was wearing his royal robes. Because it says to me that he wasn't always wearing his royal robes. 
but it specifically mentions this, on the appointed day, so it was a set time, so the crowd was probably very big because it had been announced that on a set day he's going to speak to them. And he says, wearing his royal robes, I find it interesting because in scripture there's a lot that is mentioned about people who enjoy what they wear and who wear what they wear for show. You know when he's talking about the uh, Pharisees, and it says they're there in their garments, and they think they're holy because of how they were dressed. And I, can you just feel the pride that is there? Can you just feel the pride? As Luke was writing this in the book of Acts, on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes. I don't know what you want to be dressed in today, because the Bible says we must do what we do clothed with humility. How many of you that there's certain things we can put on? The Bible says, put on Christ. I'll be rather, I'd rather be dressed in humility, dressed in Christ, Jesus, put on Christ, than being King Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. Verse 22, they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. My question to you this morning is, what will your response be when people begin to worship you? Because the more successful you become, when you become this hero, people begin to worship you. Please note, it's not the same as honoring you. There are times when you are honored. There are times when people will uh, acknowledge what you've done. That's one thing. But there are other times where people will worship you. And many Christians today, many Christian pastors, many Christian leaders embrace the worship. They soak it up. This is your moment. <sighs> many of us, when we dream about our future, this is what we long for, the worship of man, if we're honest with ourselves. And I find it interesting, I'm talking about apostolic mindset, because it says in verse 23, immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. This is New Testament, folks. I know some of you who might not know the Bible, you might be thinking, okay, maybe they were still, yeah, because it's early New Testament, it's book of Acts. Maybe this is still Old Testament. No, 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 no. Jesus had already died and risen from the, from the grave. And it says here, immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God. An angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. You know what interests me? What interests me is some of the things we know in scripture, we know them because we are given this narrative. We've got Luke commenting and he's giving us the reason. He's saying the reason why Herod was struck down was because he didn't give praise to God. How many of you know that even today there are people that are struck down? There are things happening to all sorts of people, rulers of nations. But we don't always have this narrative and this explanation that the reason is because they were not giving praise to God but took on the praise of man for themselves. Are you following me? Please now don't go around saying, oh, this person died. Oh, it must be because of this. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, could it be? Could it be? Could it be that sometimes everything dries up in one's life because someone has been struck down by God? You see, God is very interested in his glory. 
And when we advance into new regions, when we advance into new territories, we must always do it as unto the Lord for his honor and for his glory. Amen? The Bible tells us, he says, I am the Lord your God and I am, and my name is Jealous. He says, my name is Jealous. A name speaks of your nature, your characteristic. You know what interests me is there are many musicians today, especially your rappers and some of those guys, where a lot of their lyrics are really self-worship. If you think about it, I am this and I am the greatest this and I'm the greatest that. And it's allowed just because it's rap music. Are you hearing me? I'm seeing some nods, right? But it's self-worship. Many of us, when we go into meetings in the marketplace, in the workplace, our goal is to be worshipped and to gain the admiration of man. But the Bible tells me that, you know what, it is better to seek honor that is from God. I would rather be honored by God than praised by man. Amen? How many of you that man is very fickle? One day they're praising you and they're flattering you. The next day they're lying about you. I've experienced that. Where one day someone will be saying, man, oh, you're just amazing. Oh, ah. And the following week you hear a story where the person was lying about you. Man is fickle. Amen? And it's amazing how Jesus speaks of this because he sa it says in Scripture, he did not give his heart over to them for he knew their heart. He knew the heart of man. So he didn't give himself over to them. It says, immediately because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. The first principle with regards to the apostolic mindset is that everything we do, we are doing for God and for his glory. And we're continuously going before God and saying, Lord, search my heart. Just like King David did, search my heart, God, to see if there's any wicked way within me. This morning, one of my kids was trying to be cheeky with me. And he says, stop looking so innocent, Dad. Stop having that innocent look when you're not innocent. And I explained that, you know what, were it not for the blood of Jesus, that's true. Amen? Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. Do you know what I find interesting? An angel of the Lord did not strike down the people who were worshipping him. Here's the question I have for you. What is your response to worship from men? What is your response to worship from men? Because it seems to me that in scripture, it's actually a, a, a serious issue and a greater sin to receive worship than to worship the wrong thing. Can you see that? Because it didn't say anything happened to these guys who were worshiping Herod. But something happened to Herod who received the worship. In other words, your job when people begin to praise you, when people begin to worship you, is to deflect the praise, to deflect that worship. Sometimes to actually say, thanks for you appreciating me, but I really thank the Lord who helped us. Amen? You know that some years ago, there's a guy called Jim Collins. He wrote a book, Good to Great. Some of you might be familiar with that particular book. How many of you are familiar with it? Okay. 
Well done. That's about 3% of the congregation. Guys are good. Leaders are readers. Praise God. Anyway, um, so he wrote this book, Good to Great, and it was basically a study. And it was a study of people who took organizations from a place where they were good to a place where they were great without a change of leadership. That's an interesting study to do, isn't it? Right? So they did the research, and they found out that these guys were what we call level five leaders. And they had interesting characteristics. One of the things about level five leaders is they had a bulldog tenacity about them. In other words, they didn't give up easily. They had strong resilience. But the interesting thing is they also had a self-effacing humility about them. In other words, they were humble people. So when people came up to them and said, wow, your company is doing so well. How did you do this? Guess what? They were very quick to say, I'm really fortunate that I've got a great team that supports me. It deflected the praise. And then when people would come and accuse them and blame them and say, what's happening to your organization? You guys are messing up. They were very quick to take responsibility and say, you know what? I made a few bad choices. Isn't that wonderful? When you have that apostolic mindset, it's a mindset of humility. It's a mindset of bulldog tenacity. It's a mindset that deflects the praise. Do you remember the other time in scripture where people thought like, oh, these are gods. And what happened? Barnabas and the guys, they literally took off, stripped off their clothes. They said, guys, we're just human beings. Stop worshiping us. When was the last time you stopped someone from worshiping you? When was the last time when your children saw you as this hero because of the expensive birthday present you purchased for them? And you were quick to say, you know what? Um, God has provided. Let's praise the Lord. Or did you want to be the man or the woman to say, yeah, well, that's what dad's here for. Hey, I'm here for you guys, man. You know, this is love. This is generosity, you know. I'm not like those dads over there who, who've got a tight fist. And you know what's interesting? Your typical charismatic personality, your typical charismatic leader. I'm not talking about charismatic churches. I'm talking about charisma, right? They do the opposite of those level five leaders. When people go up to them and say, Wow, how did you do it? Amazing breakthrough. What do they say? Hey, let me show you my skills. Right? And then when they do badly, what do they do? They blame everyone else. Ah, those HR people. Yeah, I don't know. Their recruitment strategy. Ah, those HR people. You're wondering, but who hired those HR people? Amen? Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. And this is the same Herod who was wearing his royal robes. It's time for South Africa to wake up and smell the coffee. It's time for the nations of the world to wake up and smell the coffee. That one day you can be giving a public address wearing your royal robes. And the next day you're struck down. The next moment you're struck down by God himself and eaten up by worms and you die. Amen. You see, our life, ladies and gentlemen, is in God's hands. Our lives are in God's hands. At any moment, we can be gone. How many of you know that you live very differently when you have that understanding? Amen. You live very differently when you have that understanding that my life is in God's hands. At any moment, I could go. It's important that our children understand that. It's important that our friends understand that. And that's why even when it comes to churches, we have to build in that way. I can't build this church around myself. Amen? 
I can't build this church around myself. This church has to be strong without me. It has to be strong without my wife. It has to be strong without specific leaders. And that's why I'm encouraging you guys. A lot of you are the next generation leadership. And you have to be strong. And this is the time for training. Training for reigning. Amen? You see, we are ultimately doing all of this for the glory of God. Because we were created for His glory. Herod was struck down, not the people. My question to you is, how do you respond to the praise from man? To what extent are you longing for the praise of men? If you read a bit earlier in this narrative in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 12, you'll see that it says that these people who worshipped Herod, it says that they were dependent on, on the king's country for food. How many of you know that when you become dependent on people, at a certain point you'll begin to worship them? They were dependent on the king's country for food. And so they were now flattering him and worshiping him. This is the voice of God, not of a man. But they were dependent on him. How many of you know that the nation and a lot of governments in particular, especially in socialistic and communistic forms of government, they want you to become dependent on them. That's the pattern we've seen in the, on the African continent. So they'll say, no, 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 we will offer you jobs. We will give you this. They don't mind if the people are starving, if they know that for the next election, they're the ones who are going to provide the fertilizer, provide the mealy meal. Are you hearing me this morning? Never get yourself into a position where you're now dependent on government. Where you think the government must provide me this. Make sure that you see God as your source, as your ultimate source, and your sustainer, and your nourisher, and your upholder, so that you can thrive under any economy. Can I hear an amen? Where other people in your industry will be saying we are struggling, but because you are hooked up to a kingdom or economy, you're not struggling. You have a different source. You have a different source. I'm telling you right now, the spirit be behind communism, Marxist, Leninist thinking is to get people to be dependent on the state and to view the state as their God instead of God as their source. And it's important that we have discernment, people, it's more that we have discernment where when we read articles, when we read political promises coming from various people, we're able to look and see and say, wait a minute, this is that same spirit that wants me to depend on it instead of God. You will worship man when you depend on man. The apostolic mindset causes you to see God as your source. One of the things about the apostolic mentality is it causes you to access divine resources. It causes you to access what? Divine resources. The Bible tells me that he has given me everything that I need for life and godliness. In other words, everything I need to be a good father, he's given me. That's godliness, right? Everything, he's, everything that I need to be a good pastor, he's given me. Everything that I need to be a good husband, he's given me. He's given you everything that you need for life and godliness. What do I need for life? What do I need for life? He's given me the courage that I need. He's my source of courage. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing 
in heavenly places. What are spiritual blessings? Courage, hope, peace, good sleep. He blesses those he loves with sleep. Amen? He's given you everything that you need. You don't need to be hooked up with that politician to have everything you need. And here's the catch. This is apostolic wisdom now. Here's the catch. The moment you decide to see those people as your source, you're tying God's hands up. You're tying up God's hands. You're the one who's making a choice. Are you going to see him as Jehovah Jireh, who's provided salvation, who can provide these things? Are you going to see him as that? Or are you going to see someone else as your source? And God gives you the opportunity to choose. When you have an apostolic mindset, your mindset is, God, I'm covenanting with you, and I'm making a decision right now that you are going to be my source, not all of these people. Amen? Who's your source right now? You know those people who are always slushing up to their bosses? I'm not saying don't respect your bosses at work. I'm not saying don't be nice to them. I'm not saying don't honor them. But you know those people who are always, what do they call it, brown-nosing, right? Who are always slushing up to their bosses at work and so on. It's because they see their boss as their source. Amen? Or if you're only nice to your spouse because you want something from them. That's a, that's a form of slushing up. How many of you know that we have to trust God, even with our spouses, that Lord, everything that I need from my wife, you will provide. And let me be a godly husband, let me love her, and we'll see what happens, as opposed to manipulation. Let me buy her this gift. Let me be extra nice to her today because I want something else, or vice versa. Amen? Verse 24, but the word of God continued to spread and flourish. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem. So they had a mission to Jerusalem and they returned to Antioch, right? This is all happening in Antioch. Taking John with them, also called Mark. Any Marks here? Any Johns here? Okay. Taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, I like this. It's one of my favorite passages. They were prophets and teachers. They were what? They were prophets and teachers. The damned age of having churches where we just have pastors. And everyone who's a ministry gift, we just call pastor so-and-so, pastor so-and-so. That day is over. We need to recognize other ministry gifts. They were prophets and teachers. Amen? There's some people that are prophets, but they're not pastors. But we like to call them pastor. And then, and then we expect them to do what pastors are supposed to do. Then we get frustrated when they don't do that. We need to recognize the fivefold ministry. And that's one of the things apostles do. They help us to see that, wait a minute, we have apostles. We have prophets. We have teachers. We have pastors. We have evangelists. And we position them aright in the ministry, in terms of what they need to do. Amen? And churches that are built on that type of foundation begin to thrive. And we're entering that season where we're going to do that. Amen? Where we're going to do that. I find it interesting. Goes on to, it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger. Niger. Don't put another G there, ne? Just Niger, it, mean, it means black, it means dark. So he was probably a darkie, 
All right? <laughs> All right. Seriously. Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So one of the interesting things about apostolic mindset is that it's open to diversity. Because you had a guy from Africa, right? Somewhere in North Africa, maybe Northwest Africa. You had someone else who was from Cyprus. You had someone else who had been raised in a king's palace. Okay? So in terms of social class, then you had a couple of Jews. In terms of social class, there were differences. Ladies and gentlemen, this church is not for one social class or one grouping of people. Amen? Don't walk into this church and you see, oh, that guy has got a nice Italian suit. This isn't church for me because I can tell you something. There's someone standing right next to them who hasn't got that. Amen? This church is for all people. It's an all-nations church for all people. We're open to people. It doesn't matter what tribe you're from. It's not a tribal church. Amen? Now watch this. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. How many of you know that very often the Holy Spirit will speak to us in certain contexts? It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. You see, sometimes our relationship with the Holy Spirit is too focused on, I want to hear his voice for this particular thing. I want to know whether he sent me to this or called me to that. But when you look at the context and you study the context, these guys were going about their normal everyday worship. In fact, that word worship there is an interesting one. It's actually where we get the word liturgy from. In other words, they were practicing their rituals, their religious acts. In fact, that word worship there also speaks of charitable acts. So they were basically functioning in a local church. Are you understanding? The worship there is not specifically just talking about singing songs of praise and worship. It's talking about religious acts. It's the word in the Greek, liturgeo, and it speaks of liturgy, where we talk about the liturgy. How many of you are from traditional churches? You know about the liturgy, okay? The order of worship. And so I find it interesting because it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. When was the last time the Holy Spirit spoke to you? You see, with the apostolic mindset, you want to hear from the Holy Spirit. With the apostolic mindset, everything you do is birthed by the Spirit. And that's where the success comes. Amen? It's birthed by the Spirit, it's sustained by the Spirit, and it's completed by the Spirit. And I'll show you as we go along, there's so many references to the Holy Spirit. In fact, often when we look at the book of Acts, we call it the Acts of the Apostles. But really, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Amen? It's what the Holy Spirit was doing through them. And I find it interesting because Paul later on, Paul in the book of Galatians says, Guys, what's going on? Having started in the Spirit, now you are? Now you are? Having started in the Spirit, now you're finishing things off in the flesh. He says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? The way you open the door to bewitchment is when you're no longer being spirit-led, spirit-sustained, and spirit-completed. Amen. Who has bewitched you? You started in the spirit. Now you're finishing off things in the flesh. How many of you know that there are many ministries today where the glory has departed? What do we mean when we say the glory has departed? Things are no longer spirit-led. And now people want to sustain the success 
and there's a facade of success on the outside, but unfortunately, it's not yet spirit-sustained and spirit-completed. Amen. So I find it interesting here because it says, The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For what? For the work to which I have called them. This is super-duper powerful. Please say to the person next to you, this is super-duper powerful. All right. I've, I think it's so powerful because earlier on we heard that these guys had just come back from a mission, right? It says that Saul and Barnabas had just returned from their mission to Jerusalem. But then now it's saying, the Holy Spirit then said, set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work I've called them. So were they not called to do that mission to Jerusalem? How many of you have read that and wondered? Was it just me? For me, I, I wonder about this. So what about what they did in Jerusalem? Now listen very carefully. There's the general calling that all believers are called to. We're called to preach the gospel to the lost. We're called to do evangelism. That's one dimension of obedience. But then there's the second level where you're doing what you've been set apart to do. Are you hearing me? You see, I can go and I can help out Cindy as she's ushering. I can go and I can assist. I can go and the people can say, Possible, you've got the church card. Can you go and buy us, please? We need this and this and this for the church venue. I can go and do that, but it's not what I was set apart for. Are you hearing me? Some of you have wondered, why am I experiencing limited success in what I am doing? It's because you are doing things according to the general calling. And there's a limited degree of provision for that. But let me tell you something. Your life goes to another level when you are obeying the Holy Spirit and doing what he set you apart for. People have been saying to me, Paul, how do you do all the things you do? The people who know what my schedule is like. And I won't go into that because it's not about me. But they say, how do you accomplish all the things you're accomplishing and experience the type of favor that you're experiencing? Do you know what I say to them? I say, I'm doing what I was born to do. And when I feel like being spiritual, I can say, I'm doing what I was set apart to do by the Holy Spirit. Why? When you do those things, there's divine, there are divine resources made available. It's almost like God has decided. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, it says, I knew you when you were still in your mother's womb. I called you from your mother's womb, right? To be a prophet to the nations, right? There's that particular word, right? Now, here's the interesting thing. When God says, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations, he also then has a budget for that. I'm trying to use everyday language. Whenever there's a calling, there's provision for the calling. The provision isn't for what you feel like doing. That is non-spirit birthed. The provision is for what he has sent you out to do. When the Holy Spirit sends you out, he also sends you with divine resources. Are you hearing me this morning? And don't think to yourself, oh, so I have to be in so-called full-time ministry to have those divine resources. Because we all know, those of you who have been in this church for some time, that there are resources available for what? For the marketplace. For the marketplace. That many of us, our ministry is not limited to the marketplace. Amen? And by the way, if you want to find out more about where we're going as a church and so on, after the service, after the service, we've got 
a considering membership class. There's a considering membership class that is taking place with Pastor Taffy straight after the service. It's just about 15 minutes where he'll explain to you what we are about as a church. Amen? All right? And then you can actually then make a decision whether you want to be a member or not. All right? So I just find it powerful. He says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So the apostolic mindset causes you to embrace diversity, ethnic and social class. Many people want to be sent out, but they're not being sent out from a place of intimacy with the Lord. These guys were worshiping. They were serving. Amen. And then they were sent out from that place of intimacy with the Lord. They were also sent out from a place of functioning, having functioned in the local church. Many people just want to be sent out, but they're not currently functioning as Paul and Barnabas had been functioning in that local church, which is the church at Antioch. Amen? All right? Have a look at verse 4. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 13. It says, The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Now, earlier on, what did it say? It says, The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me. So the Holy Spirit sets apart. What do we mean by setting apart? How many of you grew up in families like I did where there's certain cutlery that was just reserved for when people came? Sadly, with many black folk, some of that cutlery was just reserved for when white folk would visit. It's true. It's true. And then the children end up growing up thinking, so are white, white people more important or superior? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just explaining to you how prejudice happens and so on. But anyway, sometimes there's special cutlery set apart for when certain people would come. Where you're like, hey, they will appreciate this. Hey, where's my china? Remember those days, where's my china? Right? And it was just left there in that cabinet with dust. Right? But here's an interesting thing. It's the same. God has set you apart for a particular use. And it's important that you are not misused. Amen? Because if you are being misused, you can break. And there are a lot of people who've broken. And God can't use them effectively because they've been misused and abused with the wrong stuff. Amen? misused and abused with the wrong stuff. And God is saying, I want you today to be a vessel of honor that I can use for my glory. So the Holy Spirit sets apart, but the Holy Spirit also sends. And we see this in verse 4. It says, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. The things you're doing in your life, are you doing them from a place of being sent? Because there are those that went and there are those that were sent. You get what I'm saying? And a lot of people, when they tell you and share testimonies, they say, I went here, then I went there. And I'm asking the question, were you sent, were you sent there? Amen? There were those that went. There were others that were sent. Which one will you be? Which one will you be? The result is different when the Holy Spirit sends you. It says they went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at 
Salami, okay, it wasn't where salamis originated. Maybe it was. I haven't done the research. When they arrived at Salami, what did they do? They proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. This is John Mark. You know what interests me? You can go and you can do great things for God, but every single one of us needs a helper. Amen? So it's one thing to know what you are sent to do. It's another thing to know who's been sent with you. And here's my question to you this morning. Who's helping you? You see, a lot of people like to be a self-made man. You know those people who say, I built up this business on my own. God doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Why? He will never get the glory. If you're always talking about how you did certain things single-handedly, how many of you know that we need someone to help us? Now, I find it interesting because the emphasis here is the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit set them apart. The Holy Spirit sent them out. And who's the Holy Spirit? He's described by Jesus as the helper. So your primary helper will be the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will use certain people to help you. The Holy Spirit is described as the comforter. But how many of you know that he doesn't just comfort you in a mystical way? Very often he will use spirit-filled and spirit-led people to comfort you with the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Are you following this morning? And so it says, John Mark was there with them as their helper. And I find it interesting because it's not emphasizing just Saul and Barnabas. It's showing us that there was a significant other person who was assisting them. Those of you today who are helpers, who are in the ministry of helps, you're ushering, you're helping with kids, you're helping with media, God notices you and counts you. Isn't that wonderful? You're named here. You're named because you're helping. But how many of you know that you don't end up just helping all your life? At a certain point, the degree to which you were a faithful helper is the degree to which God will raise you up and give you something of your own. Amen? When you're called to be a helper, it doesn't end there very often. Very often, there's something God is preparing you for. And you know what? It's a pattern I see in Scripture. Let me give you an example. How many of you know that one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament was a man called Elisha? Anyone called Elisha here? All right. It was a man called Elisha. In 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, they're looking for a prophet. And you know what they actually say? They say, is there no prophet of the Lord here? What about Elisha who used to pour water on Elijah's hands? One of the chief descriptions of Elisha when they were looking for a prophet wasn't, oh, that guy who's so prophetic. It was that guy who used to pour water on Elijah's hands. He was a helper. And you see so many people today because of pride, because of impatience, the list goes on. They don't want to help. They don't want to do the dirty work. Amen? Cindy, God is going to use you so mightily as you minister to women, as you minister to entrepreneurs. He's going to use you so mightily. And one of the things he likes about you, Cindy, is you're willing to do menial tasks. You're not too proud. Amen? That's your portion. Look at Elisha. Can I show you that it's a biblical pattern? What about Joshua? In Numbers chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Joshua, and it describes him, the attendant of Moses since youth. The attendant of Moses 
since youth. What about David? What about David? When David had his breakthrough and ended up in a place where he was now fighting and destroying Goliath, do you know that the context there was? He was serving his father. Well, he was out with the sheep and goats and whatever he was dealing with. His father called him and says, you know what? Can you send this bread to the battlefield? Can you take these cakes? Some translations say cakes to the battlefield for your brothers. And because he was faithful in doing that, he didn't say, hey, <laughs> you're saying I must take this stuff. I'm beyond this. Dude, you've been ignoring me for all these years. Uh-uh. Let them come to me and, I'll, and ask for it. Then I'll go. He didn't do that. He didn't have an attitude. He faithfully went. And in the context of serving, what happened? That was God positioning him. Some of you will only be positioned when you're willing to serve. Amen? Your positioning is in your willingness to be, to be the servant. And I find that interesting. And it's interesting how David continued with a servant heart. It doesn't matter how high you go. Be willing to do the menial tasks. Because later on we find that they called for someone who could play the harp. Do you remember when Saul was demonized? David was willing to go and just play the harp. And Saul appreciated it. Why? Because the demons left when he was playing the harp. So he used his talent, not for his own glory. He could have been like, hey, ladies, check me out. Check me out. How do you play a harp? Sorry, harp. Ladies, check me out. I'm so fly. I'm so fly. He didn't do that. He used it to serve and bring some degree of deliverance to Saul. Amen? So we've got Joshua as an example also. Joshua is described as the attendance of Moses since youth. We've got David. Okay? We've got, we've got Elisha. Right? Described all as servants. And then God raises them up. You know what's interesting about John Mark? One moment he's here helping out, but you know that he was described as an evangelist? In fact, if you study history, he was also described as the guy who founded the church in Alexandria. Not Alexandria here in Gauteng, Alexandria in Egypt. He's the guy who founded that particular church, but he was their helper. Amen. Okay. Let me, let, let's have a look at this final uh, passage that I want to cover with you. Verse 6. Verse 6. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. Say the verse next to you, Paphos. Okay. There they met a Jewish and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul. You know what I find interesting? They're talking about these attendants. And so we hear that John Mark was an attendant of Saul and Barnabas. But then we also see that this guy, who was a false prophet, was the attendant of the proconsul. And here's my question to you. Will you rather have someone who's spirit-filled, being an attendant and a helper of yours, or this guy who was a sorcerer, and a false prophet. Isn't that interesting? And I find it interesting because he was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. Now, what is the proconsul? In the Roman Empire, 
they basically had what they called a consul. A consul. And what happened is they'll have a couple of these at a time. But these consuls, their term of office would only be one year. And after some time, what they would do so that there was continuity, they would have someone who had been a consul end up being a proconsul in one of their provinces. So a proconsul was almost like a provincial governor. This is a very senior person. And during times of war, this person could function also as a military commander. But I find it interesting that they had as their attendant someone who was a sorcerer and false prophet. Are you, are you with me? What I'm saying to you is don't look for witches in a rural area in a hut. They're not necessarily always there. They could be that person who's resisting you at home affairs. Are you hearing me? All right. And you see, we've got this thing where we think that, oh, the way black magic happens is just through herbs and magic potions and all of that kind of thing. No, sometimes it's someone who's got a contrary spirit who keeps working against you in the workplace. Are you hearing me this morning? And one of the things about the apostolic mindset is you have to be filled with the spirit and able to resist that type at, the, at that level of warfare. And what I've seen is that a lot of people don't know how. I've had a number of people recently in the church coming and saying, we've had this dream, this happened, and there was this attack, and they're freaked out by it. Don't be freaked out by it. Why? The enemy's strategy is to get you into a place of fear. How many of you know that when you're in a place of fear and anxiety about something, it gives the enemy a legal foothold to then mess you around? Amen? And one of the things, for example, if you see witch doctors and people like that, they will often try to lead by intimidation, and they get people to a state of intimidation, and then the person does anything. If you, if you speak to people who are Satanists, who've come out of it, they'll say, wow, this is so different. The kingdom of God is characterized by faith and love. The kingdom of darkness is characterized by fear. Don't be friends with fear. Amen? Now watch what happens. Watch what happens. Because at a certain point in your apostolic journey, in your apostolic ministry, your apostolic mission, you will come face to face with the counterfeit. Bar Jesus. Sorcerer. The true prophetic, the church at Antioch had prophets in it. The true prophetic will always, at some point in time, come face to face with the counterfeit. The true prophetic will always, at some point, come face to face with the counterfeit. The true apostolic will always, at some point, come face to face with the counterfeit. Now watch what happens. It says the proconsul, an intelligent man. How many of you know that there are a lot of intelligent men today in government, but they're being counseled by demons? He was an intelligent man, but the person who was his attendant was a false prophet. That's why one of the prayers we need to pray when we're praying for national leaders, when we're praying for government, is to pray against the counsel from demons. You have intelligent people making foolish decisions. Right now on the African continent, and I'm not going to be overly specific, you can just fill in the blank. Okay, it's, it's safer, it's better, you know, keeping the peace and so on. I won't be too direct, right? But right now as we speak, there are nations that are scoring own goals. 
Their leaders are scoring own goals. You know what I mean by that, right? Ever have it when your favorite team loses 4-0? And we say, but how did the game go? And they say, no, but we dominated. We've got the best, better players, but we lost 4-0. How did the goals happen? Two of them were p- silly penalties we gave away, and the other two were own goals. We lost 4-0, <laughs> but we were the better side. That's what's happening to a lot of African nations, and you know why it's happening? Primarily, it's happening because intelligent people are being counseled by demons. They've got as their attendants people in false religion. Amen. So, it says here, now watch it, watch this. The pro-counsel, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. There are people out there that are hungry for the word of God. They want to hear the word of God and we need to go to them. Then it says in verse 8, But Elymas the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. How many of you have had experiences where God opens a door for you, you get into an organization, you want to bring righteousness there, you want to bring the kingdom of God there, all the directors really love you to bits, but, so you have the meeting with them, but, there's that one person who's against you. You have a meeting with them. They say, we want you. We love you to bits. It's happened to me many times. And then the following week, you're wondering what's going on. There's that one person who then will be resisting you. You have great leaders. I've had it with, with certain organizations where they'll come and say, we, I want a second round of coaching with you. We want more of your stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay, it's fine. You're not even desperate for it. Oh, cool. Okay, it's fine. A few days later, oh, sorry, I was advised that I should use someone else. Are you hearing me this morning? It's important that we learn to engage in warfare at a higher level. These people were resisting, the go- this guy was resisting the gospel. Now guess what happened? Remember Paul was set apart by the Holy Spirit? Paul and Barnabas? Then he says he was sent out by the Holy Spirit. And now look, he speaks spirit. Because it says, he says, Then Saul who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, not in the flesh. Some of you are going to go off in the flesh now. Ah, the pastor said we can just do this to whoever we want. Yeah, and then you start doing it. But it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas. Some of you are running away from your enemy, but you'd be running too. When David was fighting Goliath, he ran to Goliath. While the rest of the... um, the, the children of Israel were running away from Goliath. Run to your enemy. Face your enemy. Filled with the Holy Spirit, what do you need to say to them? It says, filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what he said in verse 10. You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. This sounds so much like David and Goliath. Come on, this is warfare language. He's speaking to the spirit behind this guy. You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. So he called it out. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of God? Verse 11. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. Last time I checked, this is New Testament. I know there's some people who just think, you know, this doesn't happen in New Covenant, New Testament. Last time I checked, this is New Testament. Amen. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time. 
not even able to see the light of the sun. When there's a strong apostolic, please listen very carefully. When there's a strong apostolic anointing that is on you, your words are spirit-filled and spirit-led, right? And wickedness will be exposed. A pattern I began to see as I went into different organizations is a few months afterwards, they would say, oh, there was this fraud. Oh, this thing has come up and this person is now in trouble. Oh, that person, that leader who all those people loved, now they have had to resign. Are you hearing me? There's an apostolic grace that can come upon you that exposes wickedness. I had a situation a few months ago where there was a particular person who was resisting me in an, in an ancient institution. Let me just put it that way. A very important and significant institution in the country. And this person seemed to keep questioning certain things. And it was so interesting what happened the one time. Because you know when someone has got questions and then they send the email to the wrong person with their questions. So with me, to my face, they would act really nice. And then one day they sent me an email, but it was addressed to someone else. And they said, can you just double check this and this about Paul and whether he actually did this and this and this, but I was the one who received the email. So graciously, I just emailed and I said, oh, I think you wanted to send it to person X. <laughs> How many of you know that God is in the business of exposing wickedness exposing wickedness exposing wickedness bringing certain things to the light and what i find interesting here is that it says will you never stop perverting the right ways of the lord verse 11 now the hand of the lord is against you you're going to be blind for a time not even able to see the light of the sun you see what Paul was doing? His activities were spirit-initiated, spirit-sustained, and spirit-completed. It's no surprise that they met a sorcerer. The true prophetic will often encounter the counterfeit. Apostolic assignments will at some point face resistance. Amen. You know, the Bible is so interesting it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says, It's no surprise for Satan himself will masquerade as an angel of light. You see, if someone who's a spirit medium comes out and says, Hey, I'm a medium and I've come to spoil your life, he's exposed himself, right? So very often some people who are mediums, who are witches, who are sorcerers, they just look like normal people dressed in suits, working for government. Meanwhile, they're resisting you. Don't be afraid of them because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. But know how to engage in warfare. Know how to engage in warfare. When you face demonic resistance, it's not always because of something in your family line or something personal. Sometimes our default is, oh, what doors have I opened? Oh, is there some root I haven't repented of in my family line? No, ladies and gentlemen, when you're on an apostolic assignment, very often the enemy is resisting what you're about to birth. There's a mission that we are on and the enemy will be resisting what you're about to birth. Find out what that thing is and guard it. Keep preaching. Keep starting new businesses. Start even more. If you know that's the thing you're called to. Keep playing that music if that's what you're called to. Keep writing new songs. Because the enemy is against what you're about to birth. He wants to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Amen? 
It then says, immediately mist and darkness came over this guy, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed. When he saw what had happened, when he saw the power demonstrated. When he saw what had happened, he believed. Why? For he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Can you see the link between the teaching about the Lord and the power of God being demonstrated? And it's time the world sees it again. Let me tell you something. Very often, witchcraft and resistance that you'll experience, the root of it will be envy. The root of it will be envy. In the book of James, it tells us that where there's envy, where there's that spirit of jealousy, what we also find, every kind of evil work. And when you find every kind of evil work, it attracts demonic spirits. Be very careful of being envious about other people, toward other people. But watch out for those people who are full of envy towards you. Sometimes they've just got that envy and then the enemy ends up using them. Amen? Rather expose them. Rather encourage them and tell them, repent of this particular thing, my friend. Because the God who's in me is bigger than whatever's in you. Amen? Yes. Face it head on. Don't shy away being afraid. Okay? I remember having an experience where I was about to do some work for a particular pharmaceutical company that was very fast growing. And someone who I'd worked with um, and helped, helped his team out in another pharmaceutical company was now working in this particular place. And this guy said, Paul, you know what? We need this thing. It was a big project. It was going to be one of the biggest I've ever done. And he says, we need your assistance. You are the first person I thought of when I thought of the help we need. So then I go in, I and they were desperate time-wise. I have a meeting with this guy and with the MD. And we begin to discuss. And the MD, you know those meetings where the person is like raving and saying, the thing you're saying now, Paul, is what we've been talking about. It's exactly what we want. And they were so excited. And they said, when can you give us? When can you give us the proposal? By when? By when? By when? And I'm like, uh, I'll try. Maybe by tomorrow. Right? I send them that proposal. Guys, I'm not exaggerating. I think I followed up about three times saying, how far? How far? No response. And one of the times when I was praying into it, I had this vision of a man in a turban. You know those guys, like they sort of, in a turban, an Indian-looking man, you know, sort of Pakistani almost, the turban and the beard. And I was like, Lord, what is this? And he showed me that I was now dealing with a principality. I was dealing with a type of principality that was controlling the affairs of that organization in terms of who gets in and who doesn't. Are you hearing me? There are times when people in the natural can say, yes, we would like to work with you, but there's something else you have to know how to resist. And I'm going to teach you over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to teach you how to pray certain prayers. Someone asked me the other day, do we need to pray different types of prayers? How do we need to do it? We have to know how to do it, how to pray against these things. Amen? Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. Are you excited about going on this apostolic journey with me? There's lots we can learn as we focus on Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Maybe you're in a space where you know, like you know, like you know, 
that some of the things that have been happening in your life, you cannot battle on your own anymore. It's to do with the workplace. It's to do with the gospel. It's to do with finances. And you know that there's something else at work here. You know it. You're not just a suspicious person, but you know it. Sometimes you try and enter your purpose, but then there's so many attacks. Sometimes you try to read your Bible and you just fall asleep. You know that there's something resisting the purposes of God in your life. Just stand where you are. I want to pray strong with you right now. Let me explain something to you about witchcraft. When you pray against witchcraft in particular, it's a higher level of demonic activity. See, sometimes if someone has got a demon that's affecting them, maybe a demon of lust or something, they can actually pray for that on their own. But there are different levels, their powers, their principalities that you deal with. And that's where sometimes you have to have someone else come alongside you and not just anyone, but someone who God has given grace for a region. That's one of the reasons why Paul the Apostle, when he was sent by the Holy Spirit, could go into a region and do what he did. When he went to Ephesus, what happened? The witches there, they burnt up their stuff. They burnt up their stuff. Amen? I'm going to pray a very strong prayer for you right now. And we're going to be in agreement. And you will see your breakthrough. Prayed for a couple. They came to me the other day. They were saying, oh, you know what? We're having all these dreams in our house. And the husband and the wife were having the same dream and so on. This is happening and then our child, our child who was staying with their grandmother at the same time also had that same experience. I mean, if you know that that's an attack from the enemy. Prayed for them the other day. Prayed for them. I think it was at meat or something. They said, you know what? We're now just sleeping like a, slept like a baby. Our night was fine and so on. I said to them, play pr praise and worship music throughout the night and so on. As you're sleeping, you'll sleep fine. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Just rebuke it. I often have those experiences lying down and so on. I suddenly see this thing next to my bed and so on. I'm not scared. Just rebuke the thing. Why? The enemy is afraid of what you're about to birth. Amen. Let's pray. Right now in the name of Jesus. Every principality that has come against the people of God, every spirit of witchcraft that is choosing to resist the purpose of God in these apostolic people sent on a mission. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I disallow you from functioning in their lives and in their families. I break your power over the people of God. I come against you in, with apostolic authority that the Lord has given me for this area and for these people and for this region. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I arrest you. And I say you can no longer function against the people of God. Where you've come with spirits of infirmity, I silence you right now. Where you've come to harass them in the night season, stop your activities right now where you've come to thwart them from the purposes of God and to bring division and disunity in the household I come against you right now you can no longer function against the people of God 
And right now, Lord, we call unto you, unto you, and we cry out and we say, may you activate your angels on their behalf. May you surround their households and may you protect them. And I pray, Father, that the thing that they're called to, they'll be so clear about that thing. That they'll be sent ones. They will not just be those who wait. They'll be those who were sent. I thank you that in the workplace, the promotion that is due to them, I thank you that it's at their doorstep right now. I come against every witchcraft that has caused barrenness in this church. I disarm you and I destroy you against the people of God. You can no longer touch them. In Jesus' name, those who want babies will have babies in the right context, in the right marriage context, in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, my Father, for your goodness right now. We give you all the honor, and we will be those who give you all the glory. And when people try to glorify us, we choose not to share in your glory, but to give you 100% of the glory and of the honor that is due to you. And the people of God said, Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Clap to Jesus.